entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. And a special welcome to my guest host, Jay Kelly Bowie. Along with Kelly and our executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Jay Kelly Hoey and I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders. And we are all leaders at some point, so you can then inspire others. You can find out more about Jay Kelly Hoey at jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And you can find Kelly on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find The Business Builder Show and many other fine shows on C-Suite Radio. That's at www.c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Okay, Kelly, let's get going. Hi, this is Kelly Hoey, guest host of the Business Builder Show, and I am absolutely thrilled to have my friend Shauna Game uh, as my guest today. Hey, Shauna. Hey, so excited to be here. Well, this is this is just so much fun. All right, so if you haven't read, I'm going to say the notes on this episode yet. Shauna is a certified financial planner, and we met because I got to be a guest on her podcast, Millennial Money, when my book Build Your Dream Network came out. So we're we're flipping the microphone today. I love it. This is this is so much fun. I'm so excited. So let's talk about your entrepreneurial career. So, yeah, for anyone who wonders, certified financial planners are entrepreneurs. You started Hometown Cinema, What? It, and that was when you were in college. Tell us a little bit about that and what you learned from that experience. Yeah, absolutely. I tell everybody that I think I came out of the womb an entrepreneur, that I am allergic to fluorescent lights. <laughs> so I knew I had to do something original, and I had this crazy idea when I was uh, – the sophomore in college, I wanted to be a film producer. And I thought, okay, I went to college in the Midwest and I said, okay, if I'm going to do this and I'm young and I'm a female, I've got to do something that's going to make me stand out. So I came up with this crazy idea. This is right before film festivals really made their thrust of creating a film festival that became the first national student film festival. And we had guests from the entertainment industry out and we Ran it for five years. Over 160 kids got jobs and internships in the industry. And then at the end of it, I ended up selling it to a big Hollywood producer. So um, it was really an amazing experience. It's kind of the on-the-ground NBA. I have an MBA as well, but that was really, I think, the the real NBA. And just so many lessons in everything from marketing to budgeting to raising money and leading a team of people. I mean, we were all, you know, 19, 20 years old. So it was just such a great experience. I love what you said. Um, you, you figured you're allergic to fluorescent lights. I mean, <laughs> one of the things I often say to people when, they, when they're when they trying to figure out like their next job or, or their next, 
you know, pursuit and they're and and they they're sort of struggling with it. I always say to them, make a like get a piece of paper and divide it in half and you know, put the things that you want in your next job, not the title, not that, but the things you want and the things that you don't want. And I affectionately refer this because of a, a friend who recommended that I do it at one point as the no fluorescent light list. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, what's the things you want in your, you know, opportunities and what's the things you don't want? And that could be everything from no fluorescent lights to, you know, lots of responsibility. Um, so what made you, okay, you, you thought you were going to have this career in, you know, film and entertainment. Um, why, what, where did the light switch go? No, personal finance is my thing. And where did that change come about? You know, it doesn't seem logical, but when you take it apart, it's very logical. So I, I say that everything that I've done in my career really has been producing and producing is just putting puzzle pieces together and working good with budgets. And so uh, after I sold the film festival, I kind of meandered around, did some marketing consulting. And then my father has been in the financial industry for his whole entire career. And he said, Hey, I'm kind of bored. Why don't you come and work with me? And he has a planning firm and worked with a lot of high net worth clients. And he's like, let's just see if we have fun together. So we started doing that. And then of course I, I did what I, what I like to do, which is find a creative thrust behind everything. So I started to do a lot of speaking and writing and really saw that my peer group knew nothing about personal finance and there really wasn't somebody out there talking to them in their language. So I thought, okay, well, this is really interesting and I like this. And this combines my love for creativity with my expertise and those business skills that I learned. And so let me just see if I can mush this all together. And that's really sort of the genesis of it all. That's so cool. Well, I want to say you've been in the business now, you know, 12 or so years. Um, and in, the, and in this industry, in terms of personal finance, is, is anything changed with how we think about money and all that time? I wish. I don't think anything really has has changed. I think the cool thing for me, working with so many different people over the past 12 years, really is the awareness that we all are so much more alike than we're different, regardless of whatever our income is whatever amount of money is in our bank account and seeing those similarities and seeing where things break down for people most of the time it it it's on the side of the mindset around money and and how we think act and feel around our money has a lot to do with our success and it sounds kind of airy fairy and, and crazy but that's what i've seen over and over and over again and i think we don't talk about that piece of it enough because it is so powerful give us yeah. give me give me an example of the mindset um uh, Kelly and I have a friend who actually wrote a book that's uh, really directed to women and their mindset towards money. But give me an example, uh, if you can, Shana, about like a mindset that is good or bad, I guess. Wow. I mean, there's so many different examples I can give. I think one of the po most powerful one is that we all grow up with thinking a certain way about money based off of our family origin, where we come mm -hmm. from. Either we're super conservative or maybe we're more risk takers and we don't recognize where those patterns have evolved from and we tend to carry those out of college and kind of into our adulthood and we might be making the same sort of quote unquote mistakes over and over and over again with mm -hmm. our money without really dissecting where that came from and really taking a look at, okay, 
am I truly conservative or is that something I learned maybe from my my family and I'm just carrying that along or mm. maybe I'm this huge risk taker and I actually really aren't a risk taker and I'm making all these decisions that are impacting my finances that are not mm. healthy and good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everything from that to to even just, I mean, the complex relationship dynamic. I mean, husband and wives, I've, I've worked with so many of those where it's just, it's more like a giant therapy session. And when you start to pull everything apart, you realize, okay, the problem isn't actually the money. The problem's all this other stuff. And if we can figure out yeah. all this other stuff, we can actually get a good action plan here together. Great. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's, that's fantastic. And you're saying that is when I'm thinking about when I separated and divorced uh, back in 2013, 2014, the first thing I did was go and talk with my financial advisor, partly because I knew, like, I knew what where my money was. I knew exactly, I knew exactly what my, my expenses were, but I needed to dispel a mindset because if I didn't, I would be carrying a paranoia about being a single woman, um, you know, uh, you, you know, in my fifties or approaching my fifties at the time, about money, and I would be carrying a pattern that, you know, I want to say was like learned from my mother, and I was like, no, we got to break this one. <laughs> exactly, that is such a powerful example. Yes. So, so there we go. All right. So, my guest, our guest today on the Business Builder Show is Shauna Game. Shauna, can you please tell everyone where they can find you? Absolutely. Well, I host a podcast called Millennial Money, and you can find me on literally any podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and we would love to have you join us. We do two podcasts a week, and we cover every possible human subject around money and lifestyle that I can think of. Fantastic. We'll put a link in the show notes as well and um, to your other, your website and, and social handles and all that kind of good stuff. So millennials, I know your, 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 your advice is watched and absorbed and, and applied by a whole lot of people, but millennial money and, and millennials, they're a, such a big demographic for brands and corporations. Um, how are they thinking about money in their careers? Can you shed some light on that for us? You know, it's a really interesting demographic. Um, I myself am right in that weird area between millennial and Gen X. I don't think they have a name for us, <laughs> but we're right we're right on that edge. And so I kind of coined myself as like the big sister to the to the millennials. But it's an interesting demographic. I mean, if you look at most of these younger millennials have graduated college in a time when the economy wasn't so robust. Jobs weren't there. A lot of them have become entrepreneurial either by choice or by they just had to because they couldn't get a a good job. And a lot of them are dealing with super heavy student loan debt, some, you know, 50, $100,000 plus. And there's just a lot of uncertainty with them. But then it's also matched equally with this desire that I haven't seen in a generation before of really wanting to experience life, not wanting to wait until they're 60, 70 when they retire. They want to do things now. They want to travel now. They want to have experiences now. They want to start businesses now. And so it's just this really interesting combination of factors with millennials. And I think we're going to see that trend happen with the younger and younger demographics because it's just the technology is is changing the way we interact with people, the way we do business. And all of these factors are really changing the dynamics for these generations. 
Well, and there's the whole idea of, of sort of having to delay life or, you know, sort of like delay gratification. We know with, you know, the marshmallow, you know, test that that doesn't always work out. So, well. <laughs> you know, you, you put a kid, you know, give the kid one marshmallow and tell them if they, you know, just look at it, you know, you'll give them another, you know, when you walk out the room and then the percentage that actually just eat the marshmallow and the percentage that will actually, you know, kind of wait, you know, to see if they get that second marshmallow. But, you know, wh- why should we and why does there have to be this tremendous tension between, you know, sort of lives, uh, personal lives and work lives and, and finding meaning? Yeah, I, I think that's just something that, you know, maybe that's an awareness that that everybody's having because I'm seeing kind of that light bulb go off with with a lot of people a lot of my friends you know are trying to figure out do I want to slave at my job for 20 30 years and then hope I have my health and hope that I have some cash and I can do things or do I just want to take some risks now and you know at the end of the day if it works it works and if it doesn't it doesn't it's it's really interesting what's happening yeah, I mean, and maybe there's this prospect that we we now know that we're going to have multiple jobs as opposed to one particular profession or career for life and one one employer, you know, for whatever time period. So we already know we're going to be sort of in and out of different things and likely, you know, sort of uh, working, you know, I say working longer. I mean, I'm just one of those people who can't imagine ever sort of officially retiring uh, so that this whole idea of like, all right, I want to do things now and experience things now. Maybe this all sort of makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the cliche of go out and find your passion, you know, you could probably argue that all day long, whether that that actually makes sense or not makes sense. But I think there's just this demographic wants to find something that they can do, that they enjoy in life, that's going to be fulfilling. It's also a demographic that really wants to give back and change the world in, in powerful ways. They don't necessarily always have all the tools, but you know, when we're talking financially, I get a lot of questions about, you know, how can I use my money to propel this cause or propel this issue or or really change lives? And I think that's a really interesting trend that I see of of, of a group of people just wanting to make a difference. Yeah, right. Kelly, if I can jump in, I was going to ask oh. that question before you, before you said that, but the whole idea of social investing, I assume, and maybe you just validated it, that that's probably bigger than it's ever been before. They, they want to invest in companies who are uh, environmentally, thinking environmentally, thinking about the social well-being, all that kind of thing. So that's pretty much true, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Social investing. I think you're going to see a huge up, uptick in that. And there's a lot of questions about it. You know, I think there's still the leeriness of whether it makes sense to put all your money into that. But there's a there's a lot of interest in I want to invest in companies that are doing good, that are doing good for the environment or for the world, or for the country, whatever it is. And those are the people I'm going to put my money behind. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say for my, you know, for myself, it's like, even if I'm thinking about, I'm going to invest in a traditional industry, you know, does that CEO, does that board of directors, you know, you know, does the company's policies, um, you know, reflect uh, my values? And, and so even if it wasn't necessarily, you know, I'm saying a green company or something like that, but, 
you know, say a financial services company, you know, are they the ones who are promoting inclusion? And, and I think that's so powerful. And then I think this generation given, I mean, I'm a Gen X, uh, Shauna. So, you know, I'm that, I'm that punky little generation between the, <laughs> the boomers and everybody else. You know, I'm not the, you know, the one that's going to be the big wave and making the big changes because the numbers aren't there. But you think, you know, particularly Gen X and Gen Z with these values, like, you know, how that now is, you know, what's going to shift, um, you know, markets and shift, you know, possibilities because, you know, I'm going to say their, their values are aligned with their pocketbook. Absolutely. And they're demanding different. You know, I think that's really why we're seeing all of these financial technology companies blossom up and, you know, some of them wither away, but some of them I think are going to stay for the long term. But but millennials are saying, you know, big banks, we don't necessarily want you and we want different ways that we can borrow money for down payments for homes and we want innovative ways to manage our money. And they're, they're really demanding that things shift and change in a way that I think we haven't seen before. And it's it's really interesting to see how this is going to shake out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kelly. Um, so on your podcast, Millennial Money, um, are there some outrageously popular discussions or topics that you cover? For instance, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I hear repeatedly uh, that the uh, younger folks are coming out of college with huge debt. Is that talked about on your podcast? Is that still true? Uh, what's the discussions around that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, debt is always one of the biggest fears I think that any of us have. So that it, those topics are always really popular. Anything around student loans, you know, how do I get rid of my student loans fast? A uh, lot of topics coming up here towards the end of the year and beginning of the year around just smart money decisions to make, things to think about, mm. goal setting, all of those are really popular. But also a lot of the episodes that the listeners like are just people sharing their story, people being really honest about hmm. uh, money challenges and money successes and how they have uh, negotiated life and, and y- you know, negotiated their careers and, and how they've made things work with maybe a, a not so good basket of goodies that they've been given. Those, those stories really resonate because we don't sit around and talk about money with our friends. It's this very hmm. taboo subject. So, having a place where people can go and they can hear different stories, I think it it helps takes a little bit of that stress and that load off people and, and maybe makes them not feel so alone. Mm. It's exactly what I was thinking when you were saying that, because we, we don't. There's something sort of, you know, that vulnerability, that shame um, uh, about money, whether we're, you know, making enough or saving enough. Um, and yeah, we sort of like, we don't talk about it. And so actually having some place to go, um, you know, I say beyond being great marketing for you, like, you know, thanks for providing the therapy for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool part is I go, th- I'm going through it myself. So, you know, I've, I went through a nasty divorce myself where I lost almost every asset that I had built up and I had to start over in my early thirties. And, you know, I've had businesses go up and down and sideways and backwards. So, you know, I, I've been through all of this personally myself, and that's really what I try to bring to the podcast is just a realness about all of this and not put myself up as this this expert, but really, yeah, I have this expertise, but I'm just I'm just one of you and I'm trying to figure it all out with you. 
Right. And just because I'm an expert doesn't mean I, you know, don't have these problems or challenges too. And, you know, got to got to follow my own advice kind of stuff. Um, but let's go back. I mean, Marty, thank you, Marty, for jumping in. You know, I love it when you do that. Mm-hmm. But let's also talk about why did you start a podcast? How many episodes are you in now? And what does that look like? Because, you know, this is like one of these things that people are like, oh, just go start a podcast. That's not an easy and light endeavor to consider. No, it's not. Um, I started the podcast in February 2015. So I just cannot believe we're like coming up on four years blows my mind. Um, We're way over 500 episodes in thus far. And really, I started it uh, around that time I had started teaching personal finance courses that I created at a university here in Los Angeles. And I thought, you know, I I need to find a way to bring more creativity to personal finance. And so I actually asked my students, I'm like, hey, what should I do? Should I do a YouTube channel? And they're like, no, you should do a podcast because that's what we're listening to. And that's the wave of the future. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't I don't know anything about this, but got a microphone and just started recording episodes. And at that time, the podcast community was just really starting to get strong. So I was on the, the the good side of the podcast kind of wave, if you will, where I was featured on iTunes. Uh, you know, my podcast was in the top 10 for many, many weeks. And that gave me a really strong push of followers. And then I had to figure out what the heck I was doing with this thing, because I didn't really know what the strategy was behind it. And then, you know, somewhere around year two, two and a half, somewhere around there, I thought, you know what, this could actually be a legitimate business, but I've got to do this right. So I really started moving out of actual financial planning and moving into, okay, can I create a media company around all of this? Can I monetize the podcast? Can I do the, the, the types of talking around personal finance that I love, which is creating books and creating products and different things like that, if I can capture this audience. So that's really my thrust now, but it still blows my mind that this many people have turned in, tuned in to listen to me babble on about money or, or listen to, you know, these different experts that are on the podcast. It, it really proves to me that, you know, people out there, they're trying to find this information. Yeah, I was going to say thank you, students of Shauna's who <laughs> podcast. We're like we're indebted. Yeah, listen to young people. Maybe that's maybe that's the theme, theme on all this. Was there is there ever given that you're getting what is your people or listeners are in like 164 countries. You're in and your your volume of downloads. Um, has it ever surprised you? Like you've seen like like you're like who the heck like where they're listening to my podcast. Absolutely. I mean, the majority of the listeners, of course, are in the US, Canada and UK, but then we'll have downloads in like Zimbabwe or places. I'm like, what? Who is listening to me in Zimbabwe? You know, Um, so those kind of crazy things just blow my mind. And, And last year at this time, we all of a sudden got this huge tidal wave of listeners just seemingly out of the blue. And we were having million plus months of downloads, which just, it, it, it really, I, I can't 
say anything but shake my head. It just kind of boggles my mind. So I try not to focus on it too much. I just try to say, you know, each episode, I'm just going to do my thing and I'm going to keep trying to up level and keep trying to do more and more innovative things. And so our thrust for next year is really just almost thinking of it like like an Ellen show, if you will. Like, how can we give back to our community? How can we continue to bring new solutions and ideas and have fun and bring more stories? And, uh, you know, how can we create it maybe a little bit more like a TV show, but on a podcast? Oh, I, I love that. And, and you know, I'm loving what you're saying because we have um, have another business builder show guest, uh, Tara Hunt, uh, founder of, of Truly, company based in Toronto. And, you know, these people who focus on purely on the, you know, the downloads or the, the metrics, the numbers, you know, they miss exactly what you said, which is, you know, how can I be of service? How can I be helpful? Because that's what drives everything. It's, you know, the, it's, 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 it's the the usefulness of what you're saying versus, oh my God, I had a million downloads. How do I make it a million, you know, you know, like what do we have to do with the SEO or whatever it is like so metric focused that you lose plot that the reason people are listening to this is you're helpful. Yeah. And I think, I think that's such a great advice. And I, I tend to not look at my downloads very often. Uh, Most people might freak out about that, but I'll check maybe once a month. Sometimes I skip a month because it really is, you can get lost in that with, with any business that you're doing. And so it's staying focused to just how do we keep making this thing better? And the downloads will come, the people will come, but let's just keep doing what we're doing and try to do it better. Right. And, and showing up, I think that's the other thing. So many people, they, they, you know, do something once or twice, um, you know, whether it's attending a networking event or, you know, working with someone or, you know, maybe it is a podcast and they don't see immediate results. And, you know, I think the point that you made that you've been doing this podcast, you know, for what, coming up on five years. Uh, and so, yeah, and showing up twice a week, that's like extraordinary. Um, but it's that consistency. It's, you know, kind of like getting that washboard stomach. You got to do those, do those sit-ups. No, no other way, you know, consistency people. Maybe that, maybe that's advice on investing too. Keep it consistent, you know, go for the long run, not the short term. Shut up. Um, any final advice, anything else you want to share? Anything else coming up that, that, you know, we get a sneak peek on? No, I would just say, you know, of, of everything I've done, I, I've just learned the lesson of, being bold and saying, why not me? Why not me? Why can't I change a generation or why can't I help? It doesn't have to be a whole generation. Why can't I help, you know, 10 people or 50 people or whatever it is. And so I think we can get stuck so much in the planning of things and not just the kind of go for it and see what can happen. And I'm just a great example of trying crazy ideas and, and they work. I love it. Why not me? That is a perfect note to end this interview on. Um, I am so grateful that you've been a guest today on the Business Builder Show. Remind our listeners once again where the best place is they can find you, Shauna. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Yes, you can go over and subscribe to Millennial Money Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. Thank you. Thanks, J. Kelly Hoey, for being our guest host on the Business Builder Show. You can learn more about Kelly at jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey, H-O-E-Y dot C-O. And of course, you can learn more about me, Marty Wolf, and the Business Builder Show at martywolfbusinesssolutions.com. That's martywolfbusinesssolutions.com. 
Remember, you can get all our shows and many other great shows at c-suiteradio.com. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. As a loyal fan of this C-Suite Radio show, we've got an unbelievable offer for you. Listeners to the Business Builders Show get 50% off a C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR.